Hey, this is Pastor Zach, and thanks for listening to the Center Point Church Podcast. Remember, hope is alive, and his name is Jesus. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? I don't think anybody on this side clapped. Good morning, this side of the room. How are we doing today? Amen. Yeah, come on. Yeah. It's good to be in church today. We're so excited to be here, man. You know what I mean? Like, come on now. You'll sound like Baptists. <laughs> what? Said it. Did it. Just kidding. I've been working with a lot of Baptists this week for whatever reason, so I've been cracking Baptist jokes all week long. But if you're here and you're Baptist, um, uh, you're Baptist, so just, just enjoy the Baptist jokes. But anyway, I'm just teasing today. Uh, we're glad to see you go all in this place. My name is Zach, um, and I am the pastor here at Centerpoint. And on behalf of the dozens of people that make this place happen, each and, every, each and every week, we just want to welcome you. And so, welcome, welcome. Man, did everybody have a great Thanksgiving? Yes? Come on. <clears throat> All right, it's pretty good. Anybody be honest and say, you know what? Our food was just garbage. It just was awful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was not very good, right? You know? I showed up. The turkey was all gone. The chicken was cold. You know, like, whatever, you know. Uh, uh, nobody's going to be brave enough to do it because the person that probably fixed it is sitting right next to you, and you don't want to offend, and that's okay. Well, <clears throat> um, man, we had some of my family in town. I got some with us today, and I'm so glad you guys are here with us. Uh, my sister and her husband, they hadn't been home, been here in several months. They got to come in and hang out with uh, my mom and dad and Jana and I, my wife, and our son, Wyatt, who's a little dude. He's 10 months old, um, and, uh, man, he's just, he's just a joy right now, right? And so uh, we were so glad to get to hang out with them a little bit, uh, except for I've been having back issues. Like two weeks ago, I pinched a nerve, you know what I mean? Like all the way down, you know, my, my wherever in here above my right but cheek, um, you know, right in this area, you know what I mean? So it like radiates all up and down. And like uh, last week was awful. I was at the chiropractor three days, like three days and then like two days the week before that. And uh, been down seeing uh, Dr. Meredith and, and he's a wonderful, wonderful encourager, except for anytime he speaks something, um, he's also a good Christian man, and sometimes he speaks something, and um, it's not like a prophetic word. It's just a doctor telling you something, but it's like when he speaks it, it's going to happen, you know? Like when I first went in with the problem, he's like, okay, that particular pinched nerve, that affects your colon. Have you been going to the bathroom? I was like, no, I've been pretty good, right? And like as soon as I left there, it was like, oh, my God, I'm dying. You know what I mean? Like I felt, just felt awful. Like, there it comes, you know what I mean? You know, hey, you're probably not going to want to walk tomorrow after we do this adjustment today. I feel, I feel pretty good after all the other ones. You're, tomorrow you're not. You know, I wake up the next day and I'm, you know, feeling like I'm going to die. But uh, I'm doing much better and he's really working through things with me. And, and uh, so I'm happy for that. Uh, you know, this morning I woke up and I was a little stiff and rolled out of bed and I worried that I wouldn't be able to, like, stand and do this today because I was on my feet a lot yesterday. But by the grace of God, I am here and I've got a word for us today. Now, I know that we're doing a Thanksgiving series, and I kind of made it out to be that it was going to be only two weeks long, and this would technically be week three. And that's true, because I had every intention after last week moving on from teaching on this. Now, I've been teaching on King David in the Old Testament, and, um, and he's the guy that wrote a lot of the Psalms that we know, which are, uh, you know, these just words and of giving thanks to God and praising him and thanking him for his goodness. And, and, um, and I had every intention of moving on from that. Yet every time I started trying to think, okay, let's jump into a Christmas series. Okay, there's a manger and three, you know, three wise men. And I started thinking about trying to start that this week. I kept, I kept thinking on this particular story of David um, in the Old Testament, the life of King David that, that I, I feel like is utterly important 
to understanding who David was. Because we talked about David's highlight reel and what he did, but there was some real life stuff that went on here that's important for us to discuss. And, and it's one of those moments where, like, the Lord would not let me move on from this. Like, I tried to, like, eh, you know, whatever. It was pretty much something else. And he kind of wouldn't let me go. And so I just want to say this. I don't do this, do this often, but somebody here today in this room is meant to hear this message. And I don't know who it is. I, I, I'm not going to say, brother in the green, stand up. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't do that here. I'm not, I'm not that brave and not that wild. And I don't know if I'm that into the Holy Spirit for, for to look at somebody and call them up like that. But I just want you to know that, that I feel like this message here today is for somebody here. And if that is you today, man, uh, I encourage you to let me know. And, and hopefully it makes sense and hopefully it's okay and it's coherent and, and speaks to you today. And so uh, I want to jump right in. You see, we live in a society, folks, that relishes on... Watching people of power and influence fail. We live in a society that relishes on watching people of power and influence fail. What do you mean by that, Zach? What do you mean? We love drama. We watch shows on TV. Uh, there's like a million real housewives shows, right? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I'm afraid of how many women and men would raise their hands and say they enjoy the Real Housewives show. And, and like right now, there's this whole meme going on. You've, if you've been on Facebook, you've seen it. And it's like this lady who's like being held back by a friend. And she's like all flustrated and pointing and crying. And there's like a cat sarcastically sitting over here saying something snarky. You know, and it's like being passed around. And the two things don't really have anything to do with each other. But it's just funny. And that lady that's all upset is a Real Housewife. And I had to ask my wife. I was like, what's going on? in that moment. And they're like, oh, I don't know. Like, she just found out her husband was having an affair with one of the other girls on the show or something crazy, you know? Like, I don't even remember that's what it is. But I'm like, and we make a meme out of her sad face. That's, that's intense, right? You know what I mean? But we're the kind of society that, that enjoys that. Nobody watches Real Housewives of anything to say, man, look how pretty they are and how much money they have and how they have their life together and their husband just treats them so well and they just are so happy together and their kids are wonderful and all is good. Nobody watches for that. That'd be a boring TV. They want to see all these catty women get in a room and like at each other and go off and their lives falling apart and catching other people in affairs and all this goofy stuff. That's what they want to see. Like the ratings go up when there's a big, you know, knockdown brawl on the show and people are fighting. Like that's that's what we relish in. We've turned people's failings and hardships into entertainment. When I think about this a little bit, I, there's a part of me that's like, man, we're, we're kind of an awful culture. We're kind of, kind of terrible at each other. I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It can be hilarious because you don't know these people. And it's like, you know, and a lot of it is probably dramatized for TV. But when we stop to think about it, like, we love this. We relish in this. And the last couple of weeks, we've talked about David and how we can, how he was such a worshiper and he loved God and, and he was this incredible man of God. He worshiped with such tenacity. I mean, he was a fierce worshiper. Like when David was like worshiping, he had like a bunch of different instruments he was playing, these crazy things I've never even heard of. And he's playing this stuff and he's just worshiping God. And he wrote some of the most powerful, God-exalting words that have ever been written in the history of humanity. If there was a Mount Rushmore for like, you know, biblical superstars, you know what I mean? You know, and they put them like in the side of a mountain, like their head. David would probably be one of those. Because he was so influential. And after the accomplishments 
there comes this interesting piece, this encounter we read about in 2 Samuel with a lovely lady named Bathsheba. And this week, that name, I couldn't get it out of my head. You know, it's kind, of, it kind of this, all right, I'm ready to move away from this series. What about Bathsheba? What about David and Bathsheba? I should probably preach on that. Like, I kept sensing that this week, and that's what I want to look at today. And so we're going to throw the scripture on the screen from 2 Samuel 11. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull sections out of this and give you some context so we don't have to read all this, this, this stuff that's going on here exactly. But I want to I read this uh, from chapter 11. One evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful and David sent someone to find out about her and the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to, to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Then she went back home, and the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Now, this, this wasn't like one of those Maury Povich situations here, right? Like, she knew. Her husband was a warrior, and he was off to war. Now, um, Let's back up for a second. David is out there, and there's this lady bathing on a roof, you know, thinking, well, I'm in a high building. Nobody can see me, except you got David. He's the king. You know, he's got the highest building in the land. He's looking out. There's a pretty lady naked in a bathtub on a roof. He's like, go bring her over here. Let's talk to her a little bit. Let's meet. Let's go on a date. You know what I mean? And, and, and one thing led to another, and boop, there's a baby. You know what I mean? Um, they gave each other a special hug, and there's a baby. That's what ended up happening there, okay? So uh, if, if you don't understand where babies come from, that's where they come from, special hugs. Sorry if I ruined that for any parents right now. Um, but uh, that is what ended up happen, happening here. That's what happened in this situation. Now, funny story, I've got a good friend of mine who him and his wife, they were, they were doing a job and they were living in Seattle and they had a, a, an apartment in a high rise, like 35th floor, downtown Seattle, looking out at like Mount Hood and, and all of the city. And he sent me a picture from their bedroom, and it's like the bed is over here, and like you would like wake up, set up in bed, and there's this just giant floor-to-ceiling glass wall looking out onto the city. And, and I asked him one time, I said, he sent me the picture, show me that, and I said, I said, how often do you stand naked in that window and just like look down on everyone? And he said, he said, oh, I do it all the time. You know, you get out of bed, or you come in from the shower, and you're there, you don't have any clothes on. I was like, you don't worry about other people seeing you. And, and, and I, he said, well, they tell us that it's like, you know, it's the tinted glass so people can't see in but we can see out. I said, how sure of that are you? And then I gave him a whole complex about it. And he was like real uncomfortable doing that from then on, you know. Uh, but for the very reason, you don't want to be bathing on a roof so the king can see you. Now, let's take this in for a minute. This, this is the same dude who God showed so much favor. This is the same dude who killed a lion. The same dude who, as a teenage boy, killed a giant warrior named Goliath. The same dude who became king and led the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. But here we are, and David screwed up. But it gets worse. David had to try to make right what was wrong here. Oh, this lady's pregnant. Got to fix this. Here's what I'm going to do. The lady, this lady's husband is a soldier in my army. I got it. I'm going to send him to the front lines of battle, to the most dangerous part. And then I'm going to tell the military leaders, the commanders, to pull back, leaving Uriah, this lady's husband, out to be killed on the front lines. 
And then in his logic, in his mind, he thought to himself, if Bathsheba's husband is dead, it'll be all right for me to step in and marry Bathsheba. He's basically just out here just digging a hole deeper for himself. It's not good. But the deed and the damage had been done. And it says here, listen to this in 2 Samuel 11, 26, 27. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the King David, but, but the King David had done displeased the Lord. God wasn't happy with him at this point. This was somebody he showed so much favor to. Man, he, he, came, he came through like, man, in, in situations where David needed him to show up and God did incredible things. And man, just to think about this for a minute, that what he did displeased the Lord after all the Lord had done for him. You see, most people read through this part and they say, well, David screwed up, the end, move on. But the story actually continues. In the next piece of scripture, God sends this guy, Nathan, to come talk to him. And Nathan rolls up here, and, um, and it says in 2 Samuel 12, 11 through 18, this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring, cal- bring calamity on you. This is, this is the Lord talking, talking to David. I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. No, no good here. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. The son born to you will die. And after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and then he would not eat any food with them. And on the seventh day, the child died. Something interesting happens here. The story just doesn't stop here. It doesn't end. Because in the very next piece of scripture in 2 Samuel 12, 20, it says, Then David got up from the ground, and after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord, and he worshiped. After all of this mess, all of this junk, He worshiped. He did what he knew how to do best. And then he comforts his new wife, Bathsheba, because she's just lost her son. And then they have another son, Solomon, who the scripture says God loved, and they use different descriptors, like, like he loved him with a great love. God loved Solomon, who would later, later as we read a few pages over, become king Solomon. And so I, I, I've been hung up on these scriptures, on this piece of the story, and, 
And so I, I've been processing, how, how do I want to break this down? How do I want to unpack this? And I wrote down a few notes and a couple things, and I want to give you some notes. And, and this is all from the Old Testament, so I'm going to jump in the New Testament and talk a little bit about Jesus' teachings applied to maybe some of these situations here. And so if you're taking notes with me today, I want you to write this, this first note down, and we're going to unpack it just a little bit. And it's this right here. Our weakness is not failure, but it's evidence of his strength and power. Our weakness is not failure, but evidence of his strength and power. Leave that up for just a second. You know, for David, you know, he picked the wrong time not to be praying and worshiping when he watched Bathsheba on the roof. It just, that's, that's all it took. It was that one instant. This guy who probably spent hours a day praying and worshiping the Lord, this one single moment he looks out the window and the enemy creeped right in. The enemy whispered into his ear. And it just spiraled out of control. That ended up costing him the life of one of his sons. And another innocent man, Uriah, who got sent off to war to die. He did nothing wrong. But this one little decision, this one thing, this one moment of weakness. But what we have to understand is that these, these moments of weakness don't always have to destroy us. That our weakness is not failure, but it's just evidence of his strength and power when we know that we have weaknesses and we can give those weaknesses to him. We all have weaknesses. God, I know, I know where my weaknesses are. So, so anytime these things present themselves, I, I need you to be present. I need you to show up. I need you to take control and yank on me just a little bit and get me, get me away from, from these things. You know what we deal with, Lord. You know each and every one of us. It says in Romans 8, 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Everything spirals out of control in David's life. His life's a mess. His son is dead. But then David's worship begins to change the atmosphere once again. It begins to change things. He is still weak. He's still messed up. But God began to move in his life. God gives him another son. God did some restoration in David's life in this moment gives him a son who the scripture says God just loved, just huge, big, a big love that God had for Solomon. The problem is David had to learn this the hard way. And so part of what I want to teach on today is helping you not to get to the point to have to learn the hard way just as David did. And maybe for some of you, you've already been there and you're on the other side of it. Maybe for somebody there, you're walking through it right now and you're, you're experiencing something and you're learning the hard way. And maybe right now, right now you need to hear these words that I'm saying that your weakness is not failure, but it's evidence of his strength and power when we turn to him. Being a pastor, I've had a lot of conversations with people, and I offer them support and, and prayer, and, and, um, and I'm not a counselor. Like, I don't, you know, some pastors are like, I'm a counselor, you don't do that. I didn't go to school for counseling, uh, but man, I'm really good at Google, and I'll help you find a wonderful counselor if you need somebody. If you just need somebody to talk to and vent to, that's fine. I'll do that for you and encourage you however I can, but, you know, uh, 
don't come to me and lay on my couch and, and let me, you know, break down your mind. That's not me. I don't do that, right? But I am privy to information. And I hear, I hear people talk and have, have conversations that, that a lot of times will be just me, them, and God. And we have, we have conversations in regards to stuff. And, and I just got to tell you, church, recently I've just been bombarded with stories of people who, who I would have considered were all in people, throwing lives away, chasing sin, squandering in sin. And it breaks my heart just a little bit. I see people with good lives making wrong decisions and go down wrong paths. And it just hurts. It hurts. You know, I see people, I know, I know people who have never really been in the church. They don't know what it's like to have a relationship with the Lord. And I see them making dumb decisions and living the, some, some rough lives. And, and, and I have compassion on them. I'm like, I'm like, man, let me just point you to Jesus. Let me show you there's a better way. And it does break my heart that they don't know Jesus, but nothing breaks my heart more than somebody who has had a relationship with Christ, who has been all in, who has worshiped so hard to throw it away in just a simple moment. They have their bathtub on a rooftop moment, whether it's a sexual sin or it's a, a substance sin or, or it's looking at something or saying something or going somewhere they shouldn't their rooftop bathtub moment. And it breaks my heart because I feel like I've just seen so much lately. David learned the hard way. Fortunately, through the process, he worshiped his God. And God, in turn, showed up for David. You see, when we give thanks to him, he shows up. So then if we are living lives giving thanks to him, thanks living. If we're living lives, giving thanks to him every day, he will show up more and more in our everyday lives. Amen. He will show up. I, I know it. I've seen it. I've watched him do it. Second Corinthians says this. I love this. Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He's talking about our weakness, folks. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If it wasn't for these verses as reminders in my lives, I would have no hope, folks. For many of you in here, you could relate. If it wasn't for the reminders in these verses, you would have no hope. I am weak. I don't have it all together, and I don't have it all figured out. But in my weakness, he is made strong. And I know that I am weak. But for David, it took just a moment of weakness and maybe a moment that he didn't know he was weak in that particular area. You see, it says, you know, in, in my weakness, he is made strong. Well, I know I'm weak in many areas, and those areas that I know I'm weak in, that's when God tends to really show up for me and be strong on my behalf. My philosophy is when you are in a new environment, 
Size everyone up, find the biggest, baddest person, and make them your best friend. When you're weak, you need somebody who is strong. When you go to school or you go to a gym, a new gym to work out, you know, you want to find the big, tough dude. That way, if you get in somebody's way, it's like, oh, I'm buddies with uh, Chad over here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you've got a friend. Find the biggest, baddest dude and be his friend when you know you're weak. I know I'm weak. I know I'm not a fighter. So I find the people who are strong, and I make them my best friend. The big people. The tough people. And I try to do that because I depend on other people sometimes for their strength when I know I don't have any. Here's the second thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes. His will works when our will does not. Romans 8, 27 through 28 says this, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. My plans don't always work out. Your plans don't always work out. It may be silly, but somebody this week probably tried a new recipe, and it didn't quite, didn't quite go how the pioneer woman said it should. You know what I mean? Like, it just didn't, it didn't, didn't work out very well. Our plans don't always work out. Debbie, as you come on up here. And if our will doesn't align with his, we are in for some upset we sometimes make plans and God will wreck us. We sometimes wrestle with God. We, we, we try to go our own way. We try to do our own things. God, I'm not a preacher. Well, I, I think you are. Yeah, but God, I'm not a preacher. Yeah, yeah, I think you are. No one's going to listen to me, Lord. No, I think they're going to listen to you. you. You just need to do this. Why would anyone come to a church I'm pastoring? Have you met me, Lord? No, I, I want you to do this. I want you to depend on me for your strength because I know this is an area I'm weak at and I depend on him each and every week just to walk out on this stage and deliver a message to you for, for 30 minutes and keep your attention like this is, this is where I am weak but I know this is where he is made strong today. I am grateful that his will works when my will doesn't. And here's the third thing I wrote down I want you to make a note of. When we respond, when we respond to him, we are given his glory. When we respond to him, we are given his glory. Romans 8, 29 to 30 says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Do you know what I take from this? Here's what I take from this piece right here, is that you're not here by accident. You're all not here by accident. You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. Hey, brother, you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. 
You're here for a purpose. God knew his people in advance. And my heart has been aching for so many people lately in my life. Some of the folks I mentioned earlier. And these are just a couple of things I wanted to get across today. You see, we all will make mistakes. Whether you're new to following Jesus or you've been a part of it for a long time. But you've got to recognize that we are going to have weaknesses and we need the Lord to show up in those situations. We've got to admit our weaknesses. We've got to recognize our weaknesses and we've got to hit them head on. Because if we can hit them head on and go ahead and give them to the Lord, we're going to be a little better shape for him to help work in us and be strong in us. We don't want to end up like David and maybe find out that you had a weakness here and that one moment, this is a guy who prayed for hours on end, who sang, who wrote songs to the Lord, who wrote in such a way that you can't even really describe how poetically he described the goodness of God. And he did it a lot. And in one moment of weakness, it turned this guy's life upside down. But guess what? Things started to go back in the right direction when he finally started worshiping the Lord again. He repented of what he had done, and he watched his life get back on track, and God used even that screw-up in a mighty way. You aren't here by accident. Whatever you've done, you're never too far gone. You're not too far gone at this point. The second thing I want you to know is this, is that there is redemption. There is a way back. There is a path to restoration. There is hope today, and his name is Jesus. So I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I want you to know that whatever has happened, whatever you've done, however too far gone you may feel, you're not. God can do something in your life. He can turn your world upside down. He can change your entire atmosphere around you. And he can do a wonder in your life today if you will just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Hey, this is Pastor Zach, and thanks for listening to the Center Point Church Podcast. Remember, hope is alive, and his name is Jesus.